follow Mrs. Barbosa. There you go. <laughs> if you turn your Bible to First Thessalonians, or First Thessalonians chapter one, right there in the New Testament, First Thessalonians chapter one. If you don't know where it is, it's right after Colossians. <laughs> okay, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. As the Bible says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus and to the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came unto you in, in, uh, unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. And ye know what men of men we are among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us, and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. What a picture of the way the local church should be, or the way a believer should be and behave in this world. I pray, Father, as I preach this message, Lord, preach to me as well. If there's someone here that don't know Jesus as personal Savior, may today... They call upon you for salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, we say, you know, this, if, uh, uh, if a person doesn't know Jesus as personal Savior, well, it is a reason why we preachers say that. It's because without Jesus, there is no salvation. Without Jesus, there is no heaven. That is the purpose why we say that. Because some people say this way. Oh, you know what? My great-grandfather went to church. My great-grandmother went to church. My grandparents went to church. My parents went to church. Their names are written somewhere. You know, my name is written in church, and I did not take you to heaven. Right. I'm not trying to be prideful right here. I'm trying to tell what the Bible says. Unless you re put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him as your Lord and Savior, there is no heaven. There is no heaven. Because if that, those things would take the place of Calvary, then why did Jesus went to Calvary for? Amen. Jesus went to Calvary for a purpose. And he went there to shed his blood for me and you. Those who actually put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. About the subject of faith and example. You know, faith is always and will be the engine that drive a Christian. Okay? Because without faith, it's impossible to live the Christian life, and it's impossible to please God. It is by faith that we believe the promise of God. Listen, anybody can read a Bible. Anybody can read a Bible because it's written. But it takes faith to believe what's in the Bible. And it takes more faith to actually live what's in the Bible. The Bible says, I shall not lie, I shall not steal. And it goes on with all kinds of commandments. You have to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul. It's in the Bible. Anybody can read it. But it takes faith to believe it. It takes faith to live it. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God and to live the Christian life. Without faith, we take it or leave it and say, oh, yeah, yeah I know what it says. 
but it takes faith, rock-solid faith, to actually live what the Bible says. And some people say, you know, it's an old book. We have arrived. We are much intelligent than these people. All right, let me tell you something about this morning, okay? If you never heard this about the Bible, is this. The Bible was written to let us know who God is, what he stands for, about heaven and hell. But the Bible is also written so you can live it, okay? And you say, well, but this is an old book. Oh, listen, the Bible was written to the heart of man. Because the Bible says that our heart is desperately wicked. I think when we get to heaven someday, when this sinful nature moves away from us, we will understand how really how sinful we really are. I'm not a bad person. Okay. Compared to whom? To the next guy that lives next door? What about if we compare our goodness to the goodness of God? See how short we come? God is holy. You see... It is by faith that we believe in the promises of God. It is by faith that we believe that He listens our prayers. It is by faith that we believe that heaven is a sure place, not a, just a pie in the sky, so to speak. It is by faith that we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Folks, for one, to leave, to leave, uh, uh, to leave behind family, friends, and country, and in and, and, and all the goodness of our country, to go to another country with a simple message of the gospel, it takes faith. I had a friend of mine that uh, lived up in Washington, D.C., him and his wife and his kids, and he said to me, Brother, I live the, 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 the American dream. I had the, the good cars. I had the good job. I had a good, good house. I had money in the bank. I took my vacations. You know what? But God was convicting me to go to the country of South America to a, a country that's not like America, the country, what's that country? Where's Messi comes from? Nobody likes, likes soccer here. Nobody likes soccer. No, 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 no. Oh, goodness, I can't remember the name. I'm going to remember the name. Um, Argentina. Thank you so much. <laughs> He left everything, sold everything, and went to Argentina as a missionary, still did today. But the Lord doesn't call everybody to that, calls us to different things. But let me tell you right this. It takes faith. When a missionary is in a foreign land, has to learn the language, has to learn the culture. It takes faith when he finds himself lonely, discouraged, homesick for his family, his friends, his, his, his homeland. It takes faith to sustain such a person it takes faith not to leave everything. It takes faith to walk towards a total stranger in the street, in a store, in a parking lot, in a job, and tells them, tell them about Jesus. Folks, it takes faith to say no to self-desires and worldly pleasures and to say yes to Jesus. It takes faith. The Christian life is always and will be a journey of faith. Faith for the day, or faith for today, and faith for tomorrow. Folks, when we begin to doubt God, in his promise, it displays, listen to me, a lack of faith in him. You know, some people only think about God when it hurts. Ah, oh, I find myself in the hospital. Oh, Lord, please help me. When I get out of the hospital, God is gone. They're like, well, I, I just drove, I, I left him in the side of the road. It takes faith, you know, to every day trust God and every day include God in our daily lives. It takes faith. 
It takes faith to pray. To pray, it takes faith to read your Bible. It takes faith to live a godly life. Now, let me give you a little story right here. Jesse Ventura, you ever heard of Jesse Ventura? Oh, many people heard of that. Former governor of Minnesota once said, organized religion is a scam and a crutch for the weak-minded people who need strength in numbers. Agreeing with called Flint, his name, last name, I don't know his first name, and uh, he says, there's nothing good I can say about religion. People use that as a crutch. Ted Turner once said, so simply said, Christianity is a religious for losers. So Ventura, Flinch, and Turner, and others who think like that, like them, view Christians as, as a, a being emotional, feeble uh, type of people who need to get together in order to be strong. The insinuation is that they themselves are strong and no one need, uh, and they don't need no, no support of God for help in their daily lives. Jesse Ventura, I'm not trying to take the guy down right here. I'm sorry. I'm just saying with the words that he said, was wrong when he said that religion is nothing more than a crutch. Such statement speaks to the prideful nature of man and the heart of man, and, and, and he actually is a picture of thousands of people who think the same way. Well, look what it says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, answering this thing about these, these guys. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and know it not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. You know, you know, folks, I'm going to tell you why. Because when we come to the foot of the cross, we're all the same. It don't matter how much riches people have and what they think they can do. Some people think they can buy God with money. You don't buy God with money because you know what? We are stewards with what God given us. Because one day, we're going to be gone and everything that we accumulate, somebody else will take care of it. That's the reality of life. You know, Money does not buy our passport to overcome the grave because we will go there. But people think, I don't need God. Well, they do. The wish fulfillment claims, uh, the wish fulfillment claims of these three guys, Fred and Venture and Ted, and Ted Turner, the others only as an act of indictment against themselves, showcase a desire to reject God and his claims to, to, their, to their lives, which is exactly what the Bible says falling humankind does. But, that does the, but to the, these same people, God asks that they recognize their true desires and, offer, and offers themselves in the place of the false hope of humanism to cleanse to, to, to his love. Let me put it this way, okay? Christianity never was a religion and never will be a religion. Amen. There are religions in this world, many denominations who, which are religions, but Christianity never been a religion. Christianity is simply a relationship of a person with God. That's what it is. People say to me, you religious. I'm not religious. I'm a child of God. I am a born-again Christian. That's who I am. So the Bible st statements regarding the fact and the evidence and the evidence of Christ's resurrection brings comfort and real hope, hope that does not disappoint anyone, and instruct us to walk in a way that, that we can trust God and realize that we, we are, when we are weak, and He is strong. And Paul even says this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Faith is not based and never will be based on circumstances because problems of life 
headaches, discouragement, curveballs, uh, uh, roadblocks, and pains are all potentials that will show up in our lives. And when they come, our faith is tested. But they never make our faith in any way. That's not the way the faith comes. So Paul here in this message shows us thankfulness for the Thessalonica's uh, church here for their faith and their work of love. You see, in a midst, in a in a society where, where this church was, Paul actually brings them up for the way they were, they were, the way they were living in the midst of such a society. Folks, let me put it this way. Our world is always going to be anti-God. Always going to be, always been. If you read your Bible and, and begin to love, to love the Lord and live for Him, you're going to see that our world always going to be anti-God. Church attendance on a decline these days. Why? Because people saturate their minds with social media and everything else under the sun. I'm not against those things. God is not important to them. God is only important when life hurts. When life hurts, I need God. When life doesn't hurt, I don't want you. Thank you very much. The truth is we need God. Now, faith is an act of the will that trusts God regardless the circumstances or even if we know, we know the, way, uh, if we don't, the way we are going. So faith sometimes is blind, but faith moves on and presses on because of what we believe. Faith causes us to give our time, use our talents, and give of our finances. Listen, why you see in this world beautiful cathedrals? Why you see in this world beautiful things? And you say, how in the world? That's billions of dollars. Where that money came from? The faith of God's people. That's what it is. The faith of God's people. They're, by faith, they're willing. By faith, they're willing to put their work. By faith, they're willing to put their talents. My home church in Johnston, that church was built up from the ground up with God's people. Everybody showed up. Brother Tom, you know that. Everybody showed up. You know what? And that church was built up from the ground up. You are God's people. Their faith that they had in the Lord, they felt moved and say, we can do this. So faith causes us to give our time. And give our finances. Faith moves us to give to God what truly belongs to Him. Faith vows to, to finally to, to give to missions as we go. Why? Listen, I put it this way. When I first began to give to missions, you might be in a new thing, but I was I say, Lord, I want to support one missionary. I want to make sure that one missionary goes in the mission field, goes tell about Jesus to someone, I support that missionary. I want to be that. I may be that person. And I pray for that. You know what? I give to more than that today. But I give by faith. I, I love them to go out and tell others about Jesus. Because I you know what? I appreciate the person that came to me and told me about Jesus. I was enjoying life to the fullness. I do and what, you know what? But when that person knocked at my door, I still remember that day that person knocked at my door. It took time to open the Bible and show me how, God, how much God loves me. You know what? That touched my heart to this very day. People need Jesus. If something is going to change your life, if something is going to change your habits, if something is going to transform your life for the good, you need God in your life. 
Die to self every day and let the Spirit of God have His will in you. So faith moves us. Faith trusts the end result with God. The ancient church gives us a clear example of what the witness of every church should be. As you know, when we speak of the church, we are speaking of the people that make that church, not the building. What is a church? A church for sure is not the building, but a group of baptized believers who by faith have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive Him as Savior. Each of us has a testimony as individuals to give in collective, you can do that, but each person that is saved has received Jesus as Savior as a testimony to give of what God has done in their lives. All right, you saved what God has done for you. How God bring you to himself? Some God saved at early age. Some God saved older age. I was in my 30s when I got saved. So Paul is writing these words to the church here. He's commending them for their clear testimony for Jesus. Now, whether we like it or not, our church has a testimony in this community. Now, uh, people see us, and they see how we conduct ourselves, and they form their opinion about us and about our Lord based on what they see. That's a church collectively. Oh, about, uh, what about us individually? You know, where we go, where we work, where we live, the things that we do, people form an opinion about us. We can be a bad testimony of what Christianity should be. Or we can be a godly testimony of what Christianity should be. You follow that? Okay. Was Judas a bad testimony of Christianity? Yes, he was. Was the other 11 a good testimony of Christianity? Yes, they were. You know what? They turned the world upside down with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were not rich. They were just common people. You see... These ancient Thessalonian believers demonstrated a complete testimony in their day. We should, do, we should desire to demonstrate nothing else to the world that, that is that, that Jesus saves, that Jesus loves them, and God wants them to go to heaven. Not because of religion affiliations, because God loves them and died, went to Calvary, died and rose again for them. I would like to, for us to place our church alongside with this ancient church of Thessalonica here. We need to examine ourselves to see whether we possess the same elements that mark their witness for, like, like ours. Let's see from this context, from this test right here, I read to you this morning about this church and their testimony to that community. Number one, if you have an outline there, their work of faith. Look at verse 1 and verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all. Look at the word all there. It means everybody in that church making mention of you in our prayers remembering without ceasing your work of faith. So Paul here in this passage let them know that he personally gave thanks to God or thanks to the Lord for their faith. Don't you think that is something honorable to do? Listen, we should pray for our local church. Not the building, folks. The people that make that church. They need, you know why? Because when we leave the walls of the church, guess where you're going? You're going to the mission field. You're going to a world and many people don't believe what you believe. And they will let you know. And you need the strength and encouragement and faith in the Lord to keep going without falling. It takes faith. You know, let me remind you here this morning that the Christian have three enemies and they keep going at you. And they don't cease to go back at you and attack you over and over again. One is the world, not the planet. 
Okay? The second is Satan himself is not just a little dude that's seen the cartoons. He's real. And there's legions of demons in this world. All right? And the, the third person is yourself. Your old self that wants to be pleased constantly all the time. This is a constant word that the, the average person in this world that don't know Jesus as Savior don't even understand. So you may remember the, uh, of each one of us and brothers, we need to pray for each other. Oh, thank you. I'm sorry. We'll go back here a little bit. So your faithfulness to the Lord is such an encouragement to other believers. The more, you know, the, our faithfulness encourages other people. And I pray that the Lord will keep you faithful to His Word, to His church, to His people. Those are things that we should mention towards one another because they are encouraging. You know, a brother comes to church, hey, I'm glad to see you. Hey, sister, I'm praying for you. I'm glad to see you here today. How are you, how you doing? How are you going? You know, we should not ignore one another in the local church. That is wrong. We should care for each other and love each other. So when people come in, they say, well, those people, there's something else going on in here. You know what? It's the love of Christ that goes on. It should be demonstrated. Listen, I'll tell you, I work with Christians. They don't come to this church. I don't ignore them. You know what we're doing in my job? I'll be honest with you. It's Scott on the other side. He goes, hey, how you doing? I'm praying for you today. That's what he says out loud. He doesn't go, hey, you. We Christians, we love each other. Hubert was in the other side. Hubert, how you doing? Uh, hey, I'm praying for you. You know what we do? We encourage one another. And people see that is a, is, is a, a, a genuine love. Yes. Fake love is easy to detect. It's a genuine love. And this church right here had a genuine love for one another. And Paul picked up on that. So faith, hope, and love are the three virtues of the Christian life. And the, and the three great evidences of our salvation. Faith must always uh, lead to serve the Lord with all the talents and gifts that He's given us. Look what it says in James chapter 2, verse 14. Without a prophet, my brother, though a man say that he had faith and have no works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, and be warm, and be filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. Without, do it profit. Even so faith, if it had no works, is dead being alone. You see what the Bible says right here? We pray for one another, we care for one another, but we help one another. You know, we are professional critics. We love to criticize. Oh, why don't you have a pair of pants? What do you do with the money that you make? If I were you, you know, if you don't buy that coffee, buy a pair of pants. You know, the Lord says, when this hand does, don't let the left hand see. What does that mean? When the Lord impresses on your heart to give, give, and don't complain. We give out of our own hearts, we just give it. That's Christianity. You see, folks, these verses, been, like I read in James, that's been misinterpreted by quite a few folks through the, year, through the ages. We don't work in order to be saved. Jesus did it all for us. 
You and I didn't go to Calvary. Calvary's cross to pay for any one sin. Jesus did. So the payment for salvation was paid in full and is available to so I have a will call upon the name of the Lord. And so we don't work to be saved, but we work because we are saved. Why do I serve the Lord? Why do I read my Bible? Why do I help my fellow Christian? Why do I go to my way? Because I'm grateful what God has done for me Then I do out of my heart. I want to help somebody else in the name of Jesus. And Jesus said, if you give a cup of water in my name, you give it unto me. You follow that? So we serve people in the community on Saturdays. You know what we do? And we do it in the name of Jesus. We do it unto him. Yeah, they come dressed ways. Some of them come, don't take a shower in months. You know what? But we put that aside and we give it in the name of Jesus. That's building treasures for heaven. You say, Pastor, can I be part of that? Yeah, show up Saturday. <laughs> be here. Get this. It is our salvation and, and the gratitude of our hearts that causes us to be, uh, to by faith work and serve the Lord. As Ben said, we are not saved by faith plus works, but faith that works. These people left their dead idols in Thessalonica to serve the living God. Why? Because they were set free from the bondage of their sin. We left our dead religions, our dead way of life to serve the living God. And look what John chapter 8 verse 32 says, And he shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know, the, the Christian that reads this Bible understand what freedom really means. Because we don't understand and comprehend what sin can do in a person's life. How many people are slaves to alcohol today? How many people are slaves to drugs? And I can go on, all kinds of examples. You why? Know, because they don't have Jesus in their life. They, you know, so if somebody's going to set them free, is the love of God. Oh, well, they can't go to this, this, uh, this uh, rehabilitation center and that place and this place. You know what? They come out and do the same thing. Most of them. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free when you really understand what God stands for. When an individual is confronted with the truth and accepts the truth, that same truth will transform that person's life. The word of God is the word of truth that sets people free from the bondage of their sin. And that trans transformation is going to cause such a person to want to serve the Lord. Let me tell you, when you hear the word cancer, it's an ugly word. You agree with me? Especially if you're the one that the doctor says you have cancer. How you take it? That's an ugly word. You go say, oh, I'm going to die. Well, we're going to die one way or the other anyway. But it's the ugly word of sin. You know what? You know, sin is killing millions of people, been killing millions of people. And we don't even dare to go to the great physician. Who's the great physician? The Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one, the only doctor that is that have the expertise on curing sin out of the heart of man. He's the only one. Folks, the Christian life is a life of faith. Not any faith, but a faith that causes transformation. It was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that transformed me as a person when I think that my life uh, uh, used to be about me, myself, and I, and I'll be honest with you, and now I, I'm far removed from that. Who did that? God transformed my life. You see, we don't work to be saved, but we work and serve because we are saved. This church, uh, this, this church is, uh, uh, 
was known for their faith, the church of Thessalonica here, and their faithfulness to God, and their faith was so strong that it was known beyond Thessalonica. We're going to look at that in a second. So faith is the engine that keeps the Christians serving God day after day, year after year. Faith is the engine that keeps the church of Jesus Christ growing and keep going for the Lord. You know, things happen. Things are, you know, and by faith, we keep marching on. Number two, they're known for their faith, but they're known for their labor of love. Look what it says in verse 3, remembering without ceasing. Paul says, I remember, I can't forget, your work of faith. And look what it says, your labor of love. Paul goes on to say to Thessalonians that they were known for their labor of love. They were loving people. They loved Jesus. They loved people. And it was known. Is that, isn't that good that the people know us for our love for others? Paul simply says that this church is a church that labor with love. Whatever they did was in love. Listen, if we don't do in love, we are wasting our time. Don't we serve our kids at home? Don't we educate our kids out of love? Don't you educate your kids out of love better than out of frustration? Isn't that true? If you put frustration on your kids, you're not, it's not going to be good. He's not going to love you back. But out of love, also is the Christian church. You know, we ought to do what we do for Jesus in love for others. You know, Jesus came to earth because he loved you. You got to believe that. He went to Calvary's cross and shed his blood because of you. He loved you that much. That he took a form of God. Listen, the Almighty God took a form of a man came to this world, walk among us, and ultimately was nailed to a cross because he loved you. He knew that 2,023 years later, you would be born to this world, you would live in this age, and you need a Savior. And he said, I'm going there so you can have salvation. That is love. You know what? Love is an action word, and, and God demonstrated that love to us. And it takes faith to put that into practice. And this church right here, it was known for their love for God and love for people. Folks, love is a small word, but a powerful, powerful and profound word. Without love, we are absolutely nothing. Without love, we can never reach anyone. What do you think we, are, we do here on Saturdays when we open the food pantry? You love people. We care about them. We want to help them up in the name of Jesus. Folks, love causes us to work, to reach, to give, and to care. It was because of love that Jesus went to Calvary, like I said. It was because of love that Jesus died for you. Folks, it was all because of love. Our love for God's church, for God's word, for his people is a clear evidence, listen to this, of a transformation that took place in our hearts. What happened? Salvation came in. Listen, you say, well, everybody loves God. Okay, where are they this morning? In the golf course? Everybody loves God. Where are they this morning? Sleeping late? Everybody loves God. Oh, where are they doing this morning? Uh, after the hangover from yesterday? You see, everybody loves God. No, 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 no. When you experience that transformation, that salvation, it takes something takes place in your heart. It transforms you in a way that the Bible is different, praying is different, God's house is different. And you look at people differently now. You don't see folks as folks. You see people that need Jesus. And you want to show their love towards them. It transforms your heart. 
Look what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And hope make it not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Listen, naturally, we are lovers of selves, not lovers of others. Naturally, in our human, naturally, the way we are, we love, each, we love us. We don't love people. It is God that put that love in our hearts for other people. You see, this is the label of love that Paul is mentioning here. This label is born of love. We love the Lord because He first loved us, 1 John 4, 19. We serve because we love Him. We labor because we love Him. We sacrifice because we love Him. We use our talents because we love Him. We tell others about Jesus because we love Him. If East Bay Baptist Church is going to be known in this community, folks, it must be because of our labor of love for God and for people. We love people, so we introduce them to Jesus and teach them the ways of the Lord. Love is an action verb. And what I mean with this is that love causes us to do something, to reach, to care. It is always good to hear somebody say, I love you. It's great, isn't it? Somebody says, hey, I love you. Oh, that makes you feel good. But more than that, love causes us to act. I love you because I love you. I'm doing this. Jesus, I love you because I love you. You know what? I'm going to serve you. Jesus, I love you because I love you. I'm going to live for you. That's putting love into action. That's what Jesus did for us. Even though you can... <laughs> You cannot put an action verb without action. You got an action verb causes us to act. You know? Number three, what Paul sees in this church, they're patient in hope. Look at verse three. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and look what it says, and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. The great evidence of our salvation is the hope. And patient for Jesus' return. Let's face it. The unsaved people in this world is not looking for Jesus to come. They, listen. The majority of people in this world, they could care less if Jesus come. They're so busy with their own business and their things. And, they, and they, you know, the, the stuff that they're doing, they could care less about it. Oh, what are you going to do tomorrow? going to do this, 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 this. You know, Jesus is not in their calendar. But for the Christian... We're looking for what? The Bible says that blessed hope. Because he's coming again. And when he's coming again, this world is going to have what this world always wanted. A world without God. Oh, it's not going to be good. Because Revelation tells us about how that world is going to be. See, a great evidence is that patience and hope are two great virtues of the Christian life. They are part of who we are. They make who we are. Listen, we live in a very unpatient world. He said, how you know, Pastor? All right. You go to Dunkin' Donuts, drive through, because you don't want to go inside and wait in the line. You don't have the patient. You know, you're too busy. You go to the, even if you go to the pharmacy, there's a drive through You mean I have to wait with those Tylenol? So everything is a drive through these days. I'm looking for a day. I mean, I hope it'll come to the day. We're going to have drive-thru sermons. No. Amen, brother. Boom, boom. Go. Uh, go. You're good for the day. <laughs> patience is a virtue. You know, patience. Goodness, you know, we live in a world that's not a lot of patience. You want, you know, uh, 
here now. Give it to me right now. I want to no. Virtue, I mean, patience is a virtue. What do we do? Patiently, we wait for Jesus. You know, we sit in the restaurant and uh, <laughs> we get the menu. Who is that person that's supposed to serve this table? I've been here for three minutes. <clears throat> oh, finally. Uh, I want this appetizer. Like, okay. You're in the middle of the appetizer. Where's that person? <clears throat> Where's the patient? They're patient in hope. I'll tell you what. Hope is something that never dies. Never dies. Because where there is hope, there is also expectation. And because we have hope, we learn to be patient. Folks, there are many hopeless people in our world today. There are people in our world who have no hope at all. Do you wonder why there is so much anxiety, depression, hopelessness? It is because they do and the best they can on their own strength. It is because they don't have no one to guide them but trying to date themselves. Don't get me wrong right here. There is medical need sometimes. I'm not trying to go that way. But I want you to understand something here. A lot of the hopelessness, a lot of the anxiety, a lot of the, the, those things you know, in depression, if we do it to ourselves. So hope causes us to be proactive. Hope causes us to be positive in all that we, we do and think. Hope causes us to be optimistic about life and about our future. Hope doesn't just, just live in the same house of discouragement every day. Because in it, Jesus said, I came to give him life and more abundantly. That's hope and optimism. See, hope causes us to look up with great optimism because you know what? We believe that Jesus is coming again. How could we not have that hope when the Bible is clear about that? Jesus is coming again as he promised. You know, when he came to the scene to Bethlehem, his own people didn't even recognize him. And Jesus said, search the scriptures because it's this written of me. Because if you read the scriptures, you're going to find out, I am he. They didn't believe it. He's going to come again, not as a servant to Calvary. He's going to come again as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. He's going to show the world that he is the one that is in perfect control. Number one there, under the outline, it will cause us to be active serving the Lord. John chapter 9 verse 4 says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh when men no work. So what we do as we waiting, as this church of Thessalonica was doing too, as we waiting for the coming of the Lord, we are to serve him. Listen, if we are servants, we serve. That's the word, right? If I'm a servant of the Lord, I should be a good servant, not a lazy servant. You know, it causes us to serve. It causes us to be clean. Look what it says in every, uh, 1 John 3, 3, and every man that had this hope, with the hope, salvation in him, in him purified himself even as he is he's pure. Number three, it causes us to be joyful. Listen. The Christian life is not a life that, that goes like this. Oh, poor me. I don't know Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, this is awful. You know, oh, the world, he doesn't like me. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. 
It's so awful to be a Christian. Oh, no, the Christian life is a life of joy and gratitude and happiness. You say, well, yeah, but life hurts. Yeah, okay. You know, we hurt every day, don't we? We get disappointed every day, but tell you what, listen, you don't have to be uh, happy to be joyful. You can be joyful and be crying at the same time because it's a joy that comes from God. You see, it causes us to be joyful in spite of what we're going through life. Listen, life is not fair. We know that. You'll be laughing today, crying tomorrow. You'll be good today, you'll be hurting tomorrow. That's life. What about when everything is good, somebody throw a curveball at you? And you don't expect that. You ever see, who likes baseball here? Come on, you guys don't like the Red Sox? Oh, my goodness. They're the, the best team in town from the bottom up. <laughs> but anyway, you know, the guy is throwing a fastball, fastball, and boom, here comes a, a curveball. And you know what? You don't expect that. That's life. Life is that way. We don't expect it. But you know what? That shouldn't, that shouldn't suck our joy from the Lord. Number four, the gospel witness. The gospel witness. That's what Paul says right here. Look at verse 7. It says, And there we were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith, God's word, is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. So the Thessalonica church was a church with strong faith, abounding love that reached beyond their borders. They, were more, they did more than work, but they did, they did with a vibrant witness. And believe me, in those days, folks, there was no social media. There was no iPhones. There was nothing. You know why? It was the word of mouth. And that word of mouth went everywhere. Let me put it this way. What do we do as Christians in our daily lives? Do we talk about Jesus? Do we look like Christians in the workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our homes? Like I said, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Big difference. Letter A, we see their message. What was their message? The word of the Lord. The gospel was in the heart of their message. They did not promote self or their church. They promote the Savior. Listen, folks. Listen, our business is to promote Jesus. The world needs Jesus. The world needs a salvation. Our business is to tell the world that they need salvation. And it comes from God. Let it be. They mattered. How they did? Verse 8. It says, sound it out and spread abroad. abroad. So what manners did this, these Christians, Thessalonica, used to reach out to spread the gospel, this wonderful message? They did it with the word of mouth. I tell you folks, the word of mouth still works. You don't believe that? The word of mouth still works. I mean, we have text messages, we have the emails, we have the social media, the Facebook, and all the other social media, I mean, hundreds of social media sites out there. But you know what? The word of mouth still works. It worked in those biblical days where there's nothing of those things, and it still works today. Their method was their word of mouth. Let us see their ministry. Their ministry, Logos says in verse 8, and from you sent out the word of the Lord, not only Macedonia. So their ministry is not limited, was not limited to where they were. It was spread abroad wherever they went. And let me tell you, Paul, far from Thessalonica, heard of them. You know what? Where we go, we talk about Jesus. 
no matter if we go to Florida, California, another country, we talk about Jesus. Because you know what? Because he's dear to us. We talk about those things that are dear to us. If Jesus is dear to you, you talk about Jesus. If you love Jesus that much, he's going to come out of your mouth. Listen, do you ever see a, a person that likes sports? Like I'm talking about a fanatic. Yeah. Yeah. What do they do all the time? Talk about sports. If you give them an ear, they take two. And they don't stop. Yep. They know the statistics. They know the names. You know, I don't even know who's the quarterback of the Patriots. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't mean I don't watch it, but I, I don't pay much attention to it. You know what I mean? I played sports when I was a kid. Play many sports. I mean, tell you what. But you see what I'm saying? We talk about the things we love the most. If you love hunting, it's all about hunting. If you love cars, it's all about cars. If you love sports, it's all about sports. If you love golfing, you put everybody to sleep. <laughs> you ever see a guy in a golf course about to hit the ball and the other one go, are you going to hit that ball? And the other guy's, you're going to hit that ball? And he's going, you're going to hit that ball? <laughs> but if you love Jesus, guess what? You talk about Jesus. That's the way to, this church, Paul says, their voice went abroad their borders because they love the Lord Jesus. Maybe that for us today, not only we as a church, but as individuals. I live what I believe and what I love, I talk about it. Faith, love, patience, and, and hope are great virtues of the Christian life. My great desire is that each one of us will be known for being people of faith, of love, and patience, and hope. If we learn to have, to have a strong, solid rock faith, we will have no fear of telling others how much Jesus loves them. No fear. Because one of the things that holds people back is fear of ret retaliation. There shouldn't be no fear in our lives for showing people who we are and what we believe. Shall we pray, Heavenly Father? Thank you, Lord, for faith. Thank you, Lord, for hope and patience. Lord, we're not very patient people. It shows even by our society that we are very impatient. And I pray, Father, give us patience. Give us hope for this life and hope to weigh on you that you are coming again as you promised. But, Lord, give us faith. We need that faith to live this Christian life. It's a long journey, Lord. And I pray, Father, give us not just faith but solid rock faith that believes in your word, lives your word, loves others as we love ourselves. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you could stand, please. We have a song of invitation this morning for you. This is one of my favorite songs in the Bible, in the hymn, No Amazing Grace. I tell you what, John Newton understood what it is to be saved by grace when he was about to sink in a ship when he was training slaves and he knew he was going to die and he said to the Lord if you save me he gave his life to Christ that day that night or that day in the in the Atlantic Ocean when he said if you save me I'm going to be a tool for you and he lived that he became a great spokesman against slavery this is the most popular song in Christianity, to be honest with you.
Amazing Grace. Let's sing it. <clears throat> saved here this morning, if you're a Christian, if you 100% know that you're a Christian, it's an amazing grace that you've been saved. It's God's grace extended to you. Not that you deserve. It's God's grace and mercy that was extended to you. You know what? If you're not saved here this morning, I mean, if you were to drop that right now, you're not 100% sure you're going to heaven. God's amazing grace can reach to you this morning. Can reach your heart how does that? By you bowing your eyes or close your eyes, ask God to forgive you of your sin, ask Jesus to forgive you, admit that you were sinned, ask Jesus to forgive you, and call upon Him to save your soul. God will save you. He says, that's simple, that's it. That's Christianity. Let's sing one more, one more verse, uh, this invitation. Is that all my heart to fear and grace my fears relieve how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed Amen. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. What a blessing to preach to you and remind you.